Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. Anything that the devil comes up with, it's not a secret. He's not that smart. He just keeps doing the same thing over and over again. And we talked about the fact that how does he come at us and we know exactly it's with what? His wiles, the evil day, and fiery darts. We talked about that. We also talked about the fact that what those three things really are. They're really what? His thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. And the wild... And, this is something only because I've had this, I've had a person ask me this question. And usually when a person asks a question, somebody else is thinking the same thing. They just didn't have the courage to ask, okay? So when we did this earlier and we talked about how Jesus was put up on the pinnacle and how the enemy was like taunting him and how he replied, it is written, and I like the Amplified, and will forever remain written and would give him the word to whatever the particular taunt was. Well, the person was asking me, how do we know that those thoughts were thoughts in the mind of Jesus? Because people still have a tendency to think that it was something where it was like, you know, I'm, I don't want to say I'm Jesus and somebody else the enemy, but whatever. I'm the enemy, you're Jesus, okay? And we're standing here having this conversation. That's how people historically and a lot of times look at it. And that's not it. It's put in scripture so that we recognize that they were the thoughts that Jesus had. And then how Jesus responded is an example of how we're supposed to respond. But remember, he was tempted in the same way that we are. That's the whole point of why that's put there. We need to understand that it was really his thoughts that he's talking about when he says whatever the enemy said. It's not like the enemy was standing there talking to him. He was giving him the thought, the idea, the suggestion. And that's so important to recognize and remember because that's the same thing he does to us. And remember, he does it where it sounds like it's our thought in our own mind, in our own voice, because if it were in a different voice, you know already that it's not your thought, not your idea. That's part of the con. It, he's making you believe you thought it up, okay? Meaning like um, if you, it's 1230 at night and you're looking at the last bit of the Olympics and you decide, oh, you know, I really would like to have a little snack. I think I'll go in and I'll have a slice of chocolate cake and I'll go ahead and I'll have that vanilla ice cream. Now, you know, you know that that's not really on your plan of what you're trying to do because you're trying to kind of slim down. So the chocolate cake and the vanilla ice cream are not really helping you. But he gave you that thought. He gave you that idea and he gave you the suggestion. You see it. You, you, you know that it's going to be good. So what do you do? You actually start rationalizing it in your mind and you sit up and say, well, you know, I actually did take the steps. I didn't take the elevator. So that's got to count for some of those calories. And then tomorrow, you know, when I go in, instead of having a Danish with my coffee, I'll just go on and I'll do something and get like oatmeal. Or maybe I'll just have the coffee. So you know what? The cake and the ice cream, that'll be just fine. And you go right on in there, you lap it up and you enjoy it. The enemy gave you the thought, but in your mind, you rationalized it. You heard your own voice. You saw the cake and the ice cream on your plate, in your kitchen, ready for you to devour it. That's how he works. 
But you got to understand, you thought it was you that came up with the idea, right? I mean, you get it? Okay. So <laughs> that's exactly what we're talking about when we talk about thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. These wiles, evil days, and fiery darts are the arena of the mind. That's what it is. That's the site of the warfare. And that's also the place where you're either going to get defeat, you're going to have defeat, or you're going to have victory. All, it's all up to you. Therefore, it's so important that we're diligent in maintaining our thought life because it will directly determine the quality of our lives. And we talked about the fact that it's so important how we conduct ourselves in general. And then I gave you, I started giving you an example and I'm gonna expound upon it a little bit because it's something that's a very real issue. I want you to think of, and it doesn't have to necessarily be somebody that you know, but there are a lot of people, and some it might be something that you might even be able to personally relate to. Don't say anything, nobody will know. <laughs> okay, just look straight ahead. But the point is this. Everybody did not grow up in this beautiful little wonderful household with the little white picket fence, you know, like Ozzy and Harriet did years ago, and you know, you came home and your mother was standing there with or leave it to Beaver's mother, with the pearls vacuuming, and you had this wonderful, nutritious meal sitting there. I mean, that was not reality for a lot of people, okay? For a lot of people, they were blessed if they had both parents. Some people never knew their parents at all, or they might have had one parent and not known the other, or, or anything like that. Um, a lot of times, people may have had what, I don't like the word dysfunctional, but it fits. Um, they might have had a dysfunctional home life, okay? Everybody, you know, there are some people who, there are different love languages, and it's wonderful if you ever get that uh, book, The Five Love Languages, because it will explain a lot to you about how people show their love. But some people show their love by, they feel like if they put a roof over your head and you had a bed to sleep in, that's all you really needed, you should have felt love. They never told you that they you know, that you were loved, they never encouraged you, they never gave you words of affirmation, you know, they never did anything but just provide that roof over your head and a bed to sleep in and, you know, they throw you something to eat and that should have been it. Now keep in mind, for them, that might have been them doing the best they knew how to do because that might have been what they had happened to them. And, you know, so I mean, I get that, but back to this story. Imagine that here you are, and I'm going to use a man because I'm going to talk about the sexual component of it. And men are, women have a sexual component, but we're more emotional. It's a little bit different. It, it really is. Instinctively, it's a little bit different. So just imagine a young man who's growing up, might be a latchkey kid that, mm, you know, he doesn't even really see his parents that much and they don't show him any kind of love. They're not showing him any kind of affection. Nobody is saying anything to him. And you see, here's the interesting thing. Just like I said, women are very emotional. We automatically think that, yes, women are the emotional ones. They're the ones who need love and all the rest of this. And we just think, I don't know what we think of little boys and men. Like they just must you know, have hearts of stone. It's actually almost the opposite. They are the most sensitive cre creatures. They just don't let you know it. But it doesn't mean that they aren't that way. So what happens in this particular you know, story that I'm giving you, here's this young man who's growing up. No one's saying anything to him. He's just trying to make it through. Basically, he's really trying to rear himself. 
okay? So there are a lot of things he doesn't know. There are a lot of things he doesn't know how to do, okay? He doesn't know even how to really take care of himself. You know, he might be the student that you go to school with and, you know, somebody might have needed to pull him to the side and say, you know, you might do real well if you put on some deodorant after you took a shower because nobody was there to tell him that. It doesn't make him be a horrible person. It's just that he doesn't know because he doesn't have the leave it to beaver mother at home telling him these things, okay? He might be struggling in school too because after all, there's nobody there at home to go over his homework assignments to see if he got everything right. Okay, and, and to kind of check it out or to, to help him. So he's really just kind of making it through. So he's growing up, he turns into be a teenager, okay, at this point. And he goes to school and somebody by his locker passes by and gives him a little wink. All of a sudden, his life has totally changed. Why? Because somebody paid him some attention. And then now his antenna are up, okay? And he's, you know, real, getting really excited. He's going home. He's thinking about this person and the fact that she gave him a little wink. Now, keep in mind, she's being a little flirtatious, and that's a whole other thing that women do. And I talked about that a little bit, and I might talk about it again, but not right now. Here's the point. He gets real excited about all this, okay? And the next thing, he's starting to go home. He's starting to have these dreams, and these dreams, you know, have a tendency not to be dry. Now, I'm going to let you use your imagination, okay? for what that means and he's really thinking about this this person who winked at him and he's starting to also realize that he's getting these thoughts these ideas and these suggestions that are coming to him and they're not coming to him from the pastor because he doesn't go to church by the way okay because he's not coming from a family who's teaching him about church but in this day and age if we turn on tv we should actually be happy that he's just thinking about the girl that gave him the wink and he's not trying to figure out is he really male or not, or you know what he is. I mean, because now things are just that perverse. But we're just gonna keep it straight, okay? So the point is, here he is, he's real excited about this girl. So he's gonna go in the next day to school and things are progressing and now he's winking back at her and one thing leads to another and the winks turn into kisses and the kisses turn into caresses. And the next thing you know, they are going ahead and they are, well, some people would call it doing the wild thing or whoopee or whatever you want to call it. The point is they get involved with fornication. They are not married and they are not doing anything in line with the word. But here is the important thing. They're teenagers. They don't really know what they're doing. He did it because he wanted attention. She did it because eh, she was probably looking for love in all the wrong places herself. But here's the thing. That thought, that idea, that suggestion got him to get all frisky with that girl. But then they break up. What happens to him now? Because you see, when you come together like that, whether it's, you know, even if it's in this type of a situation that is not in line with the word, you still became one with that person. So when you break up, a part of your heart is going with that person and vice versa. It's not a clean break like you just go away and you forget about it. Now women can really relate to that 
okay? Because they can remember their first kiss, the first person that broke their heart, if that happened to them, you know, and, and the whole nine yards. They can remember how maybe they ended up having a baby that they didn't really prepare to have, they weren't prepared to have. They can remember all kinds of things. Sometimes women get caught up and end up having an abortion. They end up killing the child that they weren't prepared to have, and then that haunts them for the rest of their entire lives until they get in the word and can receive some type of forgiveness for that. But anyway, back to this same young man. So now he's broken up with this girl, but here's an expression that I absolutely love. You can never miss something that you have never had. So he now had that little girl wink at him, had the little wild thing experience, so he knows what that's like. So he's missing that. So here comes another little filly down the, <laughs> down the, you know, the block or whatever. And he decides, well, I'm gonna go ahead and get frisky with her. So now he's got two people. Now he's still, I don't care even if you go back to the 50s, okay? And I'm thinking back to even when I had, you know, my brothers were older than me, even back then in the Ozzy and Harriet days. Men still started and the society encouraged them to put notches okay, on their bedpost or their belt or whatever. You know, women were supposed to stay chaste, but you know, men needed a little experience, or at least this is what the world kept telling them. So now he's had two, and that two turns into three, and it goes on and on and on. He still knows that something's missing, something's not right, but what is he doing? He's still looking for love in all the wrong places. Then he decides, okay, I gotta settle down, and I gotta try to meet a really nice girl. Now this is what I've always thought was interesting. You can go philander around all in the street, but when it comes time to the person you want to bring home, okay, to your mother who hasn't paid you any mind, but you still is bringing the person home, you want to bring home this nice little virgin girl or somebody, because you know that that's really what's good. That's what you know instinctively that's what you should do. So you find this nice girl, you marry this girl, but now what's the situation? You've married her, but you're still dealing with the thoughts, the ideas, and suggestions of the enemy. Because see, when you were dealing with those girls, and some of them were just straight out floozies, okay? When you were dealing with them, they did all kinds of perverse things to your physical body. And you like that, okay? Because sin is fun, okay? So you were enjoying it. But now here you are married, and you're married to a girl who's a virgin, a girl who doesn't know about all that stuff because she can't miss what she's never had. She's looking at you as her prince. She's looking at you as her husband that she saved herself for. But here you are with all of those crazy thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, and you're really disappointed. You think she's wonderful, she could be beautiful, and all the rest of that, but you're expecting her to do the wild thing and hang off the chandeliers and have a stripper pole over in the corner, and she doesn't understand any of that. Okay, now you've got a challenge, okay, because What's supposed to happen with that? Now, I submit to you, it sounds cute, it sounds comical, but I, would, I really believe that if you asked a lot of people who ended up getting divorced, it was for some of these very same reasons. Because the man kept thinking, if I could get this girl, this nice little virginal woman that I married, to do some of this stuff, I'd be perfectly happy. 
However, she's not doing that. She, that's not where she came from. That's not who she is. That's not what she understands. And then on top of it, in this particular situation, he went ahead and married a Christian girl. So he really was out. I mean, she just wasn't having none of that. But here's the thing. If he could just get to a point of realizing that he didn't need to get her to change and do the wild thing and do all this perverse stuff, he just needed to change his own mindset. Because you see, you decide whether you're going to be happy or not. You decide whether you're going to be satisfied or not. Where does that start? In your mind. Now, if you keep letting the mind of, because your mind controls everything, okay? And I, <laughs> I hate to say it this way, but I don't know any other way to say it. Men are unique in the fact that they have two heads. And they need to always remember to use the one that's above their shoulders. Sometimes they don't. And when they don't, this is when they have the big major challenge that they have. So in this scenario, when the man decides to use the head above his shoulders, and when he decides to listen to this wonderful Christian wife that he met, and humble himself and say, you know, there might be a different way of thinking about this, and realizes that he can control himself. And then he can realize he's got the best thing in the world ever because he has a wife who hasn't been all around the block and been all over the place, but someone who has saved herself just for him. And then they can move forward and have a wonderful relationship. But the point is, it all has to start in his mind because if that does not change, what's gonna happen? Is there gonna be victory or is there gonna be defeat? There is going to be defeat. And that same story can be true for women too. It's just that we usually, you know, things are a little bit different for women, so it's not quite like that. However, it really exists. And the world in which we live, we have to be careful even about the things we look at. Because I think it's so interesting, you know, they talk about all the different commercials because everything is advertising now. You don't see them, what I find interesting is why do they have to sell a car and not tell us a whole lot about the car? The car looks cute, you know, they, they show you that. They're not telling you anything about the engine, the gas mileage, things that are important. And then they'll stick some girl up there, scantily clad, okay, with, it looks like something, you know, like maybe her chest is about to fall out on the hood of the car, and that's gonna get people to go in there and buy that car, or be interested in that car. That's showing you how something is wrong with that, but it's the thought and the idea. They're not even thinking about the car. They're thinking about the girl and ooh, oh, okay. The point being is we need to understand that. We need to be aware of that. And we really need to understand it and be aware of it when it comes to our young people, okay? And you might be in, well, one of the things that I also, I, and I really ask if you have not ever heard of the late Edwin Lewis Cole, especially if you are a male, get his information. Find out about his ministry. Okay, that he had. Because one of the things that he talked about, which is something that I reared my children with once I learned about it, it was actually he came to a church and he ministered and the title of the, the message was The Glory of Virginity. We in America have gotten this really wrong because I think sometimes people think that God has asked people to remain virgins as some kind of form of you know, punishing them you know, you're just gonna stay down the straight, narrow road. Like, it, you know, like in a way, it's a form of punishment. No, that's not it. Remember what I said? You 
can't miss something you've never had? Well, when you can come together as husband and wife and present yourselves to each other as virgins, you are giving your greatest gift to that other person because you are giving them your physical body along with everything that goes with it. Then you truly can become one. And guess what? There are no thoughts and ideas and suggestions of, you know, Mary Sue around the corner and, you know, Charlie Brown, what he may have done. None of that exists. It's just the two of you. That's God's best. And that's what he created for us. Because sex is supposed to be a wonderful thing, not a perverse thing. But it has turned, and now, now it's really getting way, <laughs> okay, perverse, they might start creating a new word for it because perverse is probably not even good enough for how it is becoming now. Because these are things that we just need to always remember because I find it interesting when you first meet somebody, and I learned this from Dr. Betty and I think this is so true. When you first meet somebody, you really don't love them. Talk about, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. Then all of a sudden you get married, things aren't working right. What happened to that love? You know, it's like all of a sudden this isn't right, that's not right, he's not doing this right, she's not doing that right. You know, and you just go on with those thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, and you do become very defeated. It's very easy for you to do. You have to be the one that controls that. And I always say this to especially people who are married, always remember that your spouse, even if you're in the midst of intense fellowship and you really don't agree, okay, with whatever it is that they're saying to you, remember, that's your best friend because you married them. That's the other part of you. You're on the same team. And if you're on the same team, you need to just be quiet, go into your prayer closet, and allow the Holy Spirit to direct you not going to your prayer closet and telling off the Lord about, well, he did this and he said that. No, 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 no. Go in and just be still and allow the Lord to give you counsel and then intercede for him as the person who you truly have gotten to know and love. And you know what? You'll see that that whole thing can be turned around. Because the bottom line is you're on the same team. That's not going to change unless you listen to all those bad <laughs> thoughts, ideas, and suggestions and and you deem it so. But other than that, everything with us in any relationship you have, even if you have relationships with your children, it all starts in your mind. And sometimes as parents, we're not even so, I, I don't think we're as sensitive as we need to be, because you know how I always say we're all giant children? Well, sometimes as a parent, you can act like a child too, okay? Because instead of you looking at your children as you are going to make things teachable moments and you are going to extend to them unforced rhythms of grace to help them see how they can be better, you're acting like a little child yourself and you need to fix that, you need to change that. Just like if we all of a sudden saw a little three-year-old come in here and have a tantrum. Now we know that they're not supposed to do that, okay? But we're not gonna sit there and beat them into oblivion or talk about them like dirt. We're gonna try to help them, soothe them, and then teach them that that's not how you conduct yourself. Well, that's the same thing. Your child could be 50 years old. You still need to do the same thing. Don't ever get to such a point where you get so much into your feelings that you don't make things a teachable moment because everything can be a teachable moment and it all starts where? In your mind 
And if it starts in your mind, it's going to affect the words that come out of your mouth. So that's something else to remember. If we fail to control our minds, we fail to guard our thought life. We, and if we do that, we're going to find ourselves living on a level of life that is inferior to what the Heavenly Father intended for us. He wants us to be blessed. He's done everything for us to be blessed. He wants us to be happy. Um, one of the th quotes that I like from Pascal, and I, I have it actually written on my, uh, a piece of paper in my office. Happiness is neither within you nor without you. It is within your relationship with God. And that is very, very true. So we, if we want, he wants us to constantly have peace. He doesn't want us to be frustrated or uptight. But if we don't get our heads and our thoughts under control, we're going to be frustrated, we're going to be uptight, and we're not going to have any kind of peace at all. Um, now, now what I want you to do, oh, this I have to say, because this is important. This is another area, now I think this is somewhat, it's not funny, but it's something that's happened recently with our uh, Congress, where supposedly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but supposedly we're trying to get them to change some of the gun laws because of all the shootings and things that are happening. And Congress came up with some kind of theory that pornography is, uh, you know, like more of a challenge in our country than gun control. So the, I, you know, that to me is like comparing an apple with a banana. It does not work. It's not in the same family at all. But here is the thing, people in our country and this, hits home because there are a lot of Christians that this is true of too. They are obsessed with pornography. And what does that tell you? It is proof that they have not maintained their thought life properly. They're out of control. Remember, Satan has no way to get to you except through your mind. So he's gonna use things out there in this three-dimensional physical world <laughs> to get your attention but it has to go back through the mind so that the mind can give directions to your body. So whatever you program your mind with, that's what you're going to come up on the screen of your life. And that's even true, you know, of something like uh, women who are dating. It's up to you to decide and really be sincere in your checklist for this person that you're dating. Because sometimes you could be dating an absolute frog but you are gonna turn him into a prince in your mind because you wanna have, you know, you wanna have somebody accompany you to things and you wanna be married, and then you end up marrying a frog. He was a frog all along, but you just didn't see it that way because you in your mind, remember, it's your mind. You started making him be a prince when in fact he never was. So we have to always remember that. And we have to remember the stimulus that we're getting everywhere, okay? You're getting stimulus on the TV, you're getting stimulus on your phone. I mean, we're even having people call us on our phones now with um, like telemarketers on cell phones. It's getting to be ridiculous. Also, they have ads for everything to improve yourself, okay? I mean, they have every kind of cream available that's supposed to do everything for you. I mean, the fact that people get Botox shots, they are shooting, their bodies with poison just because they want to be wrinkle-free? I mean, come on. I mean, but there's something for everything. They have Viagra for men, you know, and then I think it's always cute on those ads because they tell you something about if it, you know, hasn't returned to its normal state after 36 hours, go see a doctor. Who? What? I mean, come on. 36 hours? That's just pushing it. 
So all I'm saying is they have that out now for women too. They have Viagra for women. And I know everybody's seen that KY commercial, which is very interesting to me. I mean, they have all kinds of stuff, but all of this stuff, it doesn't matter that you, you don't turn on the TV and it says, I'm a Christian. I'm gonna turn on the TV, so you're just gonna get Christian stuff. You're gonna get the same things the world gets, but you have to be the one that has the discernment to say, mm, no, not receiving that, it's not for me, and move forward. And this is something that we have to keep in mind when it comes to our young people. You know, like I know there's some people here who are teachers, you're dealing with young people, you might be grandparents who have you know, grandchildren, understand these are the kinds of things where all of a sudden you might see rebellion crop up in them, where they'll sit up and talk about, well, I, you may give them a curfew and say, well, you can go to Sally's house, but you have to be home by, well, I would have said 10 o'clock. Now it's probably 12 o'clock, okay? And they go, well, I don't want to do that because Mary Sue's mother, she can stay out until 2 in the morning, okay? And you start getting things like that coming back from them. You know, or the guys sit up and talk about, well, I don't see why I have to have some kind of curfew. I just come in when I come in. You know, I'm getting older now. I can handle myself. Okay, no. You are not grown, you don't pay the bills. You know, We know all the things that we're saying to them, but we gotta understand where is it coming from? It's coming from the thoughts, the ideas, and suggestions that they're getting from school, from TV, from cell phones, from everything else. And we have to be the ones to make it what? Teachable moments, share that with them. Sit down and have a conversation with them so that you can get to understand where and what the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions are so that perhaps you can give them a different point of view. I mean, I just think that that's something that's important. Now, here's another thing that Satan really tries to do with people, and that's depression. Whenever, <coughs> excuse me, depression, fear, and discouragement. Now, that's, think about that. Depression, which is real, fear, which is very real, and discouragement dominate a Christian's mind. It lets you know they had an encounter, of course, with the enemy, and they lost. Okay? They didn't win. That wasn't a victory moment. How can Christians be depressed? By listening to the thoughts, the ideas, and the suggestions that come directly from the evil one. Now, here's the thing. They may hear the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, but then they start meditating on them. And before they know it, it actually slips them into that dark space called depression. It's real, it's painful, and it should never be judged. And that's something that people do have a tendency to do and they should not, because it did come from the evil one. And not realizing, they don't realize that it came from him. Think about it, we're supposed to be saved. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of the Most High God. <laughs> so, if you have Bible knowledge, which is the Word of God, what in the world are you depressed about? What is there to be depressed about? Absolutely nothing. Fear is something that people have to, and you hear this, you know people, they fear, some people are fearing of going on the cruise because they feel like they're gonna be out in the water and there's too much water surrounding them. You know, or they fear, there are still people who fear flying this, to this day. They won't get on an airplane. They still have to take you know, a train or a bus or whatever because they have a fear of flying. I don't think, I think we need to sometimes realize that you don't have to have a fear of something. 
you can, though, have a respect for it. For instance, how many people here have a gas stove where you know the flame comes out? Not an electric stove, but a gas stove. Okay. Now, I don't know if this still exists. I kind of think it does. Where there's a pilot light, okay? Where you could, because you turn the thing on and then it makes the, 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 you know, the flame come out. Now, you see that pilot light. You see that it's fire. You don't fear it, but you do respect it. You're not going to just go stick your hand in it because obviously it could burn you. So that's not fear, that's respect. You have a respect for it. That's a little bit different. And we need to start thinking about things when we say you're, you know, because again, we, of course, sitting in this, we're not going to tell anybody we're afraid of anything because we know that fear is false evidence that you're real. But I'm talking about when you're being authentic and you're being your real self. Stop and really start breaking the thing down to see whether you really are fearing it or whether you just need a little bit more information about it. Because then you might find that you're really not afraid of it, you just needed more information. But it's something that we need to do. Because if not, we get to a point where fear can become paralyzing. And then if you're paralyzed in your fear or anything else, then what? Your mind, again, is out of control. And that means your thought life is out of control. And it's not in line with the armor of God. Because if it were, there would be absolutely nothing that you would be afraid of. Simply because we have God on our side. I mean, think about that. If you have God on your side, there's absolutely nothing that you should be concerned about. Let's look at Ephesians. Turn with me to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. We're going to look at the 13th verse. <clears throat> Let me know when you have it. Okay. Looking at it in the New King James Version, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. I'm going to read it to you out of the message. It says, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you're still on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Notice that when Paul wrote this, he did not say to take up the armor of God. He specifically said to take up the whole armor of God. So obviously, there's got to be something critical about the whole armor, armor and not just armor. This implies that if we put on part of the armor, the victory is what? It's not guaranteed, because you're only going to be using part of what you have available to you. When we have all of the armor, which just like the message said, it's truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, the word of God, we have them all working for us. Then he mentions the evil day, and that's what Satan is going to bring against us. In verse 16 of Ephesians, Ephesians 6, verse 16, Paul mentions that the fiery darts are coming our way. But what does it all mean? Wiles of the devil, evil day, fiery darts, all of them are symbolic and connote something. But if you don't understand what they connote, 
then you could miss it. Visualize fiery darts being thrown at a dartboard, because everybody knows what a dartboard is. Imagine that. Wiles of the devil, what does that mean? Evil day. All days are evil. Every day we've been on earth has been an evil day. There is something evil going on somewhere all the time. So what do those things mean? We've already ident identified them as thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. That's all Satan has to work with. You would think Satan has a lot of tricks in his bag, but that's all he has. And that's how he takes Christians out. If he can get you to receive the thoughts he promotes, the thoughts he sends and suggests, he's got you right where he wants you. He doesn't have to pull out a gun or wield a sword. He'll control you with your thoughts. Something has to be wrong. Now, I thought this was very interesting. <laughs> Something has got to be wrong. And we just saw a 19-year-old young man get up, go into Florida, and shoot all of those students. Something has got to be wrong with that. Some malevolent force made a simple suggestion, and he obeyed it. And of course, disaster was a result. This is the same weapon Satan uses to kill a lifestyle, kill your peace of mind, kill the relationship between husband and wife, and parent and child, same thing. The arena in which these wiles, evil days, and fiery darts are to be fought is in the arena of the mind. The confrontation with thoughts, ideas, and suggestions is an unavoidable battle. Everyone has to deal with it. We will be engaged in this battle for the rest of our lives. There's no free lunch, as I'd like to say. You can't get away from it. Our diligence to maintain our thought life will directly determine the quality of our lives. Now, here's something I want you to think about. We need to always have discernment because if you have discernment, you can then begin to see more clearly <clears throat> where these thoughts, ideas, and suggestions are coming from and that they're not your own. Turn with me to 1 Kings. Excuse me. First Kings, the third chapter. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow. First Kings, the third chapter, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 14. So I'm going to share it with you out of the New King James Version. And it says, Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart, to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for your understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. So there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. The point is, sometimes we don't always think about 
asking for discernment. You need that discernment to be able to clearly, more clearly see the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that are coming your way. I'm going to share that with you out of the message because it says it this way. Here's what I want. Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well, discerning the difference between good and evil. For who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people? God, the master, was delighted with Solomon's response. And God said to him, because you have asked for this and haven't grasped after a long life or riches or the doom of your enemies, but you've asked for the ability to lead and govern well, I'll give you what you asked for. I'm giving you a wise and mature heart. There's never been one like you before, and there'll be no one after. As a bonus, I'm giving you both the wealth and glory you didn't ask for. There's not a king anywhere who will come up to your mark. And if you stay on course, keeping your eye on the life map and the God signs as your father David did, I'll also give you a long life. I'm for that. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and we're going to look at verse 14. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verse 14. And it says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So, I mean, this is kind of encouraging us that we need to make sure that we are spiritually discerning things. Because when we do that, we're gonna find it just a little bit easier. That's why, again, we always offer people the precious gift of the Holy Spirit to be filled to overflowing, where you can get that endowment of power and gain that discernment so that you can rightly divide the word, but also it turns up the volume so that you can clearly hear from the Most High God, but it also allows you to be able to see more clearly the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that the enemy is presenting your way. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.